1: What a fantastic weekend of football in the books once again. We're going to talk about all of it, including Jared Goff with a big game for the Rams. They beat the Eagles. The Eagles are in trouble. The Lions, once again, look terrible as they lose. The Packers look awfully good. And also some thoughts on a dominant defense in a running game, bolstering the Ravens' road victory over the Texans. All that more coming up, but first... Up Shits Creek and without a paddle. No, I'm not talking about the Canadian show that was a juggernaut last night at the Emmys, winning best comedy show, best actor, best supporting actress, best actress, best supporting actor, writing, directing. No, I'm talking about the Atlanta Falcons. They were like Ebenezer Scrooge, Mike, visited by the ghosts of Christmas past. When you think the last time they blew a lead, that's right, the Super Bowl, 28 to 3. And what happened against the Dallas Cowboys? Nothing short of shocking, a wild onside kick, a last second field goal from the Dallas Cowboys as the Falcons were up 15 in the fourth quarter before Dak Prescott becomes the first quarterback NFL history. Passed for more than 400 yards, and rushed for three touchdowns in the same game. Generally, Mike, you know me. I'm a positive guy. I want to focus on the win first, but I'm going to focus on the loss first. How devastating is this for the Atlanta Falcons?
2: Well, I mean, look, we've seen this movie before, right? And, you know, Todd Gurley had 28 carries for 68 yards, 2.9. You know, he couldn't really close the game out. But here's what's fascinating about this game, right? So they have four possessions in the second half. That's all they have basically four possessions in the second half. In those four possessions, they scored 10 points. So they had, uh, they had a punt once, they had two punts, and they scored 10 points. Now, let me read to you what they did before those, this, in the first half. They went punt, punt, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal, touchdown, field goal. How do you lose a game when you, put, when you basically go six, play, six times with the ball and score all six times, whether it's field goals or touchdowns, and you still lose. Like at some point, you've got to sit there and say, like, how is this happening? Like, why is this happening? And yet, you could just tell. Look, it took a it took a miracle to come back in the game. Let's face it. But you know, it, it, but all games always come back to what happened. Well, we didn't play good in the red zone. I mean, you know, Atlanta's two for four in the red zone. The Cowboys are five for six. You know, it's it's really not a complicated game when you get down to that level, but I mean, this one for Atlanta, I, Atlanta can't cover anybody. Atlanta can't play defense. I mean, let's just be real honest. The Cowboys. What people don't realize about this now, I, I bet you you could you you would need a money line or or call a friend to to, to tell you who the starting who the starting offensive line was for the Cowboys. I mean, you, really, you you had a hard time figuring this out. I mean, you know, Knight Steele. I mean, those are the two starting. Those are the two starting players. Think about it. I mean, Steele's a college free agent, a right tackle, and 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 you gave up all those points to that team. Ha! Really hard.
1: Yeah, I come a long way from a man Doug Free. And like you said, the offensive line that you could recite all the members of that team. Before we hear from Mike McCarthy, as a guy who spent his entire life in football, Mike, I want to know, have you ever seen that before? What Zerline did not using a T for a slow rolling onside attempt, a rare tactic. I've never seen that before.
2: Right. No, I never have either. Look, I've been at, you know, I I've been at teams where the Saturday, especially with Coach Belichick, the Saturday before uh, the game, you know, there's always a highlight reel of the onside kicks because you you the team needs to know what the on how the guys onside kick, right? And and it's really important that everybody sees that video so you could say, okay, hey, if we this becomes an onside kick game, you know, here's what they like to do on the onside kick. Okay. I've never seen that one before. I've never seen that one. So you know, I mean I, I don't think Dan Quinn's seen it. I I mean they never did it at the Rams. You know, and, and the way the ball took that turn, like I often, I was wondering, like, what happens if a if a, I know a ball wasn't in the air, you could fair catch a kick, right? But you can't fair catch it because it was on the ground. So once it hits the ground, you can't. But I was just like, could you imagine if that if you f- could fair catch that thing as it's rolling?
1: Just a bananas play. C.J. Goodwin was the one who pounced on it. Let's hear from the head coach Mike McCarthy, Dallas, and their ability to come back.
2: I'll just say this. At, at halftime, we, you know, we talked about having this opportunity as a, as a new team and we needed this opportunity. And I just can't say enough about the fight of the football team. You know, defense got us to stop when we needed it. Uh, special teams had the two big play opportunities with the, you know, the two fake punts that we didn't didn't convert, uh, the fourth and five. I, I wish I had that back. It's too far. Um, but they made the two biggest plays of the game there at the end with the, with the must-on side recovery and and, and a field goal.
1: So a huge win there for the Dallas Cowboys. And we know how big it is. If you fall to 0-2, the stats have borrowed out. If you start 0-2, you make the playoffs. There's like a 12% chance of making it. That segues to our next NFC East team. That'd be the Philadelphia Eagles as they fall to 0-2 and and they lose the Rams. Jared Goff, three touchdown passes. Tyler Higbee, he completed his first 13 passes. And we go back. Goff and Wentz were selected 1-2 in the 2016 draft. That's one of seven times since 1967 quarterbacks were the first two picks. And Goff obviously got the much better of Wentz. Listen, Mike, I thought Philadelphia, I thought they improved their secondary. I thought their defense was better. How did Goff just slice them up? 21-3 lead right out of the gate.
2: You know, usually, and I, I was on the wrong side of this game on my picks, I liked Philly in this game. I thought Philly would put a lot of pressure on Goth. They only sacked him one time. But I think as an Eagle fan, where you have to be really disappointed is the fact that the Rams were able to run the ball 39 times at you and over average almost five yards a carry. You know, they break a long, Henderson breaks a long run at 40 yards. I mean, the Eagles defense, the principles of the Eagles defense is we are, you're not going to be able to run the ball on us and you're not going to be able to run boots or nakeds because we're in this wide nine look and you're going to have to make a living doing very specific things offensively. And that just, it wasn't the case yesterday. I mean, golf played the game comfortably. The first three drives of the game, it's 21, nothing. I mean, they go right down the field and score. And you credit the Rams offensive line, credit Sean McVay. You know, this is the Rams are the healthiest. They will be all year in the month of September. And I should have paid attention to that because I've been saying that. And they came out and played really well. Philly is a mess right now. I mean, now Philly is 19 and 18 since the Super Bowl win. And they're still celebrating the Super Bowl win for the record. (laughs) You know, they're 19 and 18. They've got... That, that, that nine of those 19 wins have come against the, the Washington football team and the New York football giants. I mean, God almighty. I mean, Bill Parcells has got to be watching football on Sunday and saying, that's the NFC East? Are you kidding me? that's the that that i you know buddy ryan joe gibbs i mean all of them you know built this nfc east into this dominant division and and that's what it is i mean if you're fox you're probably you get if you're the fox network you're saying can't we get some better shit going on here in washington and new york and dallas i mean dallas gives up 39 the eagles can't slow anybody down and Wentz look let's face it Wentz hasn't been the same player since frank wright left I mean, he hasn't been the same player since Frank Wright. And all this talk about, well, we got all these new players here, you know, they got no skill. They have no, as John Gruden would say, they got no juice on offense. They got nothing. Like you watch this team and, you know, they're drafting a quarterback in the second round, you know, because he reminds them that he could be Taysom Hill and they could be a trick player, you know, and that goes to the old saying, once you try to be, once you try to be a team of specialists, you end up with being a bad team. And and I I think the Eagles are a bad team. Now they get the Bengals coming to town, but they got a schedule that's hard. I I just don't see them as a good team. I thought they would win yesterday because I like to match up their defensive front against the Rams line, and I was dead wrong on that.
1: surreal moment seeing Carson Wentz getting booed with no fans there. (laughs) Like that was to me. I'm like, all right, that is 2020 for you. Only Carson Wentz can get booed with no fans. Take a listen to head coach Doug Peterson. You talked earlier about the Falcons and red zone play. Here's Doug Peterson talking about Philly's red zone play.
2: You know, it's not about one player or one unit. Um, You know, the offense has to do their part, obviously, and not turn the football over. And uh, we got to put points on the board when, when we have opportunities. You know, field goals are great, but you know, when we get get into the red zone like that, it's, it's uh, we got to come away with more more scores, touchdowns. And and then, yeah, I mean, the defense you know, has a has a part in that, too. I mean, they, they got they pride themselves on, you know, getting off the field and and um, trying to help the offense. Things go these things go hand in hand. It's not it's not one unit, one guy. Uh, it's things we got to we got to address. We got to address them uh, quickly.
1: That's the story for Philly. How about the Rams, Mike? How impressed were you with Goff? I know a guy you've been up and down on, but had a good game against Philly.
2: Look, I think if Goff is, you know, if you can check the runners at first and third, has time to deliver the ball, I think he's great. I, like, every time the Rams win, I get more impressed with, with Sean McVay. I mean, great game plan, came out, you know, did exactly what he needed to do. What Peterson's saying there is true. Look, you know, they get the ball in the red zone. They got, it. it they're, they're down 21 to nothing before you could even have a, a, a have popcorn, right? And they, they slowly work their way back in there. I hate going for too early in the game. You know, I hate that. I, I You give away points when you do that. But they get it to 21 to 16. They're driving down. They have first and 10 at the Rams 21, right? They're not technically in the red zone yet. That's first and 10. Wentz throws a pick, Okay. All right. The defense holds them. Come back down the field again. They got a first They got a first and 10 at the Rams, 15. They got to settle for a field goal. Now it's 21-19. So as bad as the game was and as bad as the Eagles played, the Rams, the, 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 they had an opportunity. But I think McVay does such a good job of being able to utilize it. They found, you know, look, the Eagles secondary, whether they can cover or not, remains to be seen. Because, look, here, here's what beat them. Cooper Cup in the slot. Higby the tight end. The middle of the defense, where Malcolm Jenkins used to reside, which is what got him. Robert Woods had two catches for 14 yards. He didn't do anything in the game. You know, so it wasn't that. And then when you look at the Eagles on offense, I mean, Wentz just doesn't look comfortable. You know, he didn't get sacked, throws two more picks again. You know, they ran the ball 25 times in the game, which is a lot considering they actually ran it more in this game and they were behind 21 to nothing than they did when they were ahead 17 to nothing. But I think the Eagles have to have a hard conversation with themselves and decide on who they really are and how can they win games. You know, they've got to get the quarterback to play better. That goes without saying. You know, he's not comfortable. Whatever they're doing offensively, they've changed coordinators. They were supposed to be more like the Rams. I think they're the same team that they were last year offensively. You know, they made a big deal out of hiring. They wanted to become more like the Rams. I don't see it. They can't get the ball down the field. The longest play for the Eagles yesterday was 25 yards. You're not going to beat anybody with 25-yard plays. You know, you got to. If you have 25-yard plays, you need a bunch of them. I mean, the Rams had a 40-yard run. They had a 19-yard run. They had a 24-yard pass. They had a 28-yard pass. They had a 21-yard pass. 28-yard pass. So 20-yard. I mean, they they got the ball down the field. That's the only way you're going to score points. And if you got to keep constantly doing that, I think it's hard. It, this is going to be a fascinating year for Philly. I got to tell you though, AD. I, I you would love you don't get it because you're in North Jersey, but when the Eagle game is over, then Comcast in Philadelphia goes to their Eagles show. Eagles post game must be unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It it really could. It should be a Saturday Night Live skit. I mean, it's unbelievable. You got you got Barrett Brooks. You got Michael Barkan. I mean. You got you got Ray Didinger, who's a Hall of Fame sports writer. Ray Didinger has about 17 legal pads. He's taken notes during the entire show, right? <laughs> He's just writing notes down. You got Seth Joyner over there in the corner, and they're all pissed off. And they're all pissed off. Like, and they all want, and somebody's head's gonna be on a silver platter before this is all over. I mean, Ray was furious after this game. I mean, literally, if it, it's one of the best, if you hate the Eagles, you'll love this show. Like if you love the Eagles when they win, you love the show. If you hate the Eagles, if you're a Giant fan or you're a, a, a Redskin fan or a Washington fan, excuse me, you watch the show. You're like, oh, and the, after they lose, like it's must-watch television after they lose because you just go in there and it's like, wh- who's going to get blamed for this, you know? And they're going to analyze it. And I promise you, you know, I, my man Bill, uh, I, I we were we we kid about it because he he turned me onto it. And the next thing you know, like it was Ray's birthday, Dinger's birthday this week. I'm like, we should just send him a bunch of legal pads from Staples because he literally, ad, he's on this show. He's just making notes the whole show. Like even though the camera's on him, he's writing notes down. But
1: that's, this is ridiculous. Like I said, he's got 17 legal pads. Like, what, is he writing, what is he writing down the whole time?
2: I, I mean, it's so good. It's so good. And I mean, look, it's going to be a long week in Philadelphia. They got the Bengals this week, but it's going to be a long week for Doug and the boys. And Schwartz is going to take his blame. I mean. They, they, they haven't – if you just go back and look since the Super Bowl, look at their drafts, look at their team, you really be honest and evaluate it. How, have they made themselves better? Have they stayed up to the level of competition? Have they honestly evaluated themselves? I think you should do that. I think it's an interesting conversation to have because when you break it down, you know, are they better? What areas are they better? Did they catch lightning in a bottle when they won the Super Bowl? Man, they were a good team. They beat the Patriots in that game. It was a fun game to watch. They've always been really good at the defensive front, but now all of a sudden their linebackers are secondary. Where is their offensive line skill players? I mean, they say Whiteside, they draft him in the second round. Greg Ward, they signed as a free agent. I mean, Rieger's the first round pick. He had, you know, he had four catches yesterday, long of 16 yards. I mean, Deshaun Jackson's their big play guy, averaged 10 10, 10, a catch against a Ram team that you can attack in their secondary. It's going to be a tough year in Philly.
1: Yeah, I thought Jalen Rager would be that burner. He looked great in game one Had a couple of deep passes there from Carson Wentz in the game they lost to Washington. And you mentioned the defense and you mentioned Seth Joyner. Talk about a guy you could use right now, that great linebacker for those Eagles teams in the 90s. Uh, they could certainly use a guy like him. And as you mentioned, Malcolm Jenkins, now the Saints. They felt like he was a cap casualty. Thus, they're missing his presence. To the Green Bay Packers we go as they beat the Lions 42-21. You hear that score and you assume Aaron Rodgers did his thing. Actually, no, it was Aaron Jones. A career-high 168 yards, three touchdowns, including a 75-yarder. The Packers are down by 11 if they roar back to beat the Lions. They win their home opener for an eighth consecutive game. They're 8-0 against NFC North teams during Matt LaFleur's tenure. Stafford 20-33 of for 244 and two touchdowns. But the Lions, I mean, just a mess. Let's take a listen to Matt Patricia first, then we're going to discuss Detroit. Here he was answering reporters with the Lions' inability to hold on to leads. we got to keep it going. You know, certainly in a year that's a little bit unusual, but uh, that energy, that uh, focus, um, all of it, um, you know, it's just got to come through for 60 minutes. You know, we can't can't ride the wave of the game. You know, we can't go up and down and and be, you know— Uh, really high and then, you know, something happens and then go really low and then try to pick it back up and then something good happens and go really high again. And, you know, just the ebbs and flows of the game. We've got to ignore that. You know, we've got to stay consistent. We've got to um, not think about, um, you know, the end result before we get to the end result. We've got to think about that play at that moment and stay in that moment. And, um, you know, that's something we have to do. The Detroit Lions are the first team in NFL history to blow double-digit leads to lose four straight games. And think about this, Mike. At one point, you say, "Right, 34 games is enough time that I can assess someone." Lions head coaches through 34 games: Rod Marinelli, 10 and 24; Jim Schwartz, 10 and 24; Jim Caldwell, 19 and 15; Matt Patricia's 9, 24
2: and one. He's not getting the job done, and neither are the Lions with the lead. No, I mean, look, the Lions. You know, they had a bunch of injuries going into the game and you know they they can't play look it's been a problem on defense right they don't play good defense I mean they can't stop the run game it's great my man so you know my cousin Vince no relation to Vince Lombardi he's Vince is a carpenter yeah he's awesome it's the best you know he's a diehard Packer fan and he's the one to nickname LaFleur LaFlec so you know it's like all right so I've talked about him before so like he now the other day he comes over the house and he's telling me how Aaron Jones is a bad draft pick and I'm like Big, we call him Big Daddy. I'm like, Big Daddy, like, how is he a bad draft pick? Like, he's one of the best draft picks you've had in your time. Well, we're not going to resign him. So he's a bad draft pick. I'm like, no, no, no. He's a really good draft. Like, even if, even if you're not going to resign him, you're getting mileage out of him. You're using him, right? Like, the guy's a really good running back. Like, I'm pissed off at myself. I mean, we, Belichick and I always would do uh, the draft class in the spring. And this kid was remarkable. In fact, he was one of my favorite players in that draft. And th- they didn't take him. I was going from New England at the time. They didn't take him. But this kid's a really good player. He was the leading receiver yesterday. He took over the game. And anytime Detroit plays against people with speed or athleticism, especially with their defense because their defense is slow, I mean, you know, it's not very good. And when you look at the stat sheet, you know, you sit there and say, "Well, what what happened? You know, how how did we lose this game?" Well, you know, Detroit, you can't got, you can't get control of the running game. I mean, you can't get you, you allow them to have 35 carries for 259 yards. Now, granted, you know, one guy had a 75 yard run, which put him over the top, but he ended up with 168 for the day, so he was headed and only on on 18 carries. I mean, the Williams kid had eight carries for 63 yards. Look, I've said this since Matt got there. You know, Matt took over for a really well liked coach, Jim Caldwell. He's 19 and 15. He has the best record of any of the four last previous coaches. He took over for him. You know, he, and you could, and he took over and his evaluation was I needed to change everything. Well, the problem is that team wasn't ready to change everything. And you got to understand your situation. You can't, this is what happens. I think when people take jobs, right? You take a job and all we hear is what's your plan for the first hundred days, right? What's your plan for the next? What are we going to do? Tell me what we're going to do moving forward. When, when you get a job, you should spend really the first month, 60, 90 days looking backwards. What, why am I here? How did I get this job? Why did Jim Caldwell had to give up this job? Where was the fault line? And the fault line was Caldwell couldn't win those close games to get him to 10 or 11 and 12 wins. He went to the playoff one year. You know, Caldwell got fired. He was 6-2 and two the year he got fired down the stretch. And Bob Quinn fired him because Bob Quinn thought Matt Patricia's a better coach than him. Well, you know, Matt Bob Quinn has let Matt Patricia down. I mean, the talent level in Detroit's not very good. It's just really not. You know, and they got a really good quarterback. They're going to waste a really good quarterback. Their offensive line's kind of been beat up. Their, Marvin Jones played yesterday, but Galladay didn't play. So, you know, it's like, okay, where are we going with this? It's really, a defensively, they're slow. I mean, they didn't have Font yesterday. Justin Coleman's on IR. This is what you need to know. Their first-round draft pick, Jeff Okuda, he led the team in tackles. He had seven tackles yesterday. Like, when your corner's leading the team in tackles, what does that tell you about your team? And all they keep doing is signing Patriot players that the Patriots really didn't want back. They didn't want Jamie Collins back. They didn't want Danny Shelton back. Like seriously, and and you don't think the players in the locker room don't get pissed off that this has become the Great Lakes version of the, of, the, of the New England Patriots? Like, and it's a, it's a real issue. And, and once again, this you file this under not knowing your own team very well.
1: Lions, definitely a mess right now. And the backers are feeling good about themselves there in the NFC North. When we come back, Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, ran all over Deshaun Watson, the Texans. Justin Herbert makes his NFL debut, and a depleted 49ers team blows past the Jets. All that more after the break.
0: 168 hours after issuance DKNG.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
1: let's keep things rolling here on the gm shuffle and talk about how a running game that's right baby they were born to run that's when it comes to the ravens going all over the texans a matchup of Lamar Jackson to Deshaun Watson—you think it's going to be the quarterbacks that are pivotal? Instead, it was a dominant rushing effort by Baltimore. They win it thirty-three to sixteen. And how about Baltimore's defense, Mike? They force a pair of turnovers while sacking Deshaun Watson four times. And the running game averaged 6.2 yards a carry. I mean, the Texans' run defense just got gashed time and time again. Whether it was Jackson, Ingram, or J.K. Dobbins, even Gus Edwards led the way, 73 yards on 10 carries. That's a four-headed monster against Billy O'Brien's team.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Billy O'Brien's defense isn't very good. We've we've been saying that on the pod. I mean, I don't think they're very good. You know, they don't they don't have enough physicality in their front to be able to stop anybody. Uh, you know, they can't cover in the back end. They're not any good. And and you know, this is amazing but but when Will Fuller like Will Fuller has a freaking hamstring every two weeks it's ridiculous like how can you this guy is one of the best players in the league and yet yes he starts the game and he and he injures his and once he's not on the field for the Houston Texans their offense gets shut down their offense is is becomes non-existent right you know it's just it's unbelievable he starts the game off you know they've got all these really good skilled players and yet when he goes out of the game and they lose his they lose his presence Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson can't do anything. You know, the offense goes down. Their offensive line shows liability. It's just right now, the Texans just aren't a good team. They don't have enough talent on their team. It's it's pretty clear their defense has really gotten worse over the years. And it's, you know, Rome, it was bad last year, and it's it's going to be bad again this year. They're just not good enough in the secondary, and they're really not good enough up front. So, you know, and then, you know, Baltimore is just Baltimore. I mean, they do what they do. Their defense is versatile. You, you know, how Don Martindale's not a head coach in the NFL, I don't know. I mean, all they do is play great defense. They played play it week to different each week. He plays I mean, they got LJ Ford on the team. LJ Ford's been cut by seven teams in the league, and he starts for him and plays good. You know, they just find a way to utilize their skill set of the players to get rid of. Nobody's heard from Earl Thomas lately. Has anybody heard from Earl Thomas? No. <laughs> no I mean, and they 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 put they put Elliott in there, and they got Clark, and next thing you know, they're they're playing good defense against a against an offense that has some weapons. You know, it's just it it it's the the, the Texans are you know all these draft choices that they've lost. They're 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 a full draft class away of talent to really compete at the highest level. It's going to be hard for them to manufacture it. They, they've got to be able to weather the storm this year and just try to get back to being, uh, 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 getting some really solid draft picks within there, especially on defense. Cause it's not there.
1: Head coach Bill O'Brien has messaged the team for starting the year. Oh, and two.
2: Yeah.
0: We have to get better quickly. Uh, we have to, in all areas, you know, we have to coach better. We have to play better. Um, you know, it's a long season is, you know, we, we have to get better very quickly here, though. You know, we go to Pittsburgh, so we have to really work hard this week to improve. And we need to play a lot better than we've been playing against Pittsburgh. That's there's really, you know, we don't have any choice, right? We don't have any choice. We've got to
2: get back to work here and, and uh, really, really, really work hard to improve.
1: Yeah, tough game against the Steelers coming up. <clears throat> Good luck with that for the Texans and company. Moving on, how about the Chiefs and the Chargers? Our first look at rookie quarterback Justin Herbert We'll get to him in a second, but Harrison Butker, this was crazy, Mike. They had a 53-yarder set up for the Chiefs to win it in overtime, about two minutes left, and they get a uh, false start, so five yards push it back. 58-yarders, they hit it, but of course, the Chargers had called a timeout. So again, Butker goes again and still has enough leg. They had a 58-yarder as the Chiefs win it. Uh, That was actually a second for 58 yards, so that ties the Chiefs record for distance. Mahomes completed less than half of his passes in the first half, only the third time in his career, but did rally to go 27 to 47 for 302 and two touchdowns. But how about Herbert? 22 to 33 for 311. He had a touchdown, had a pick. Ninth quarterback since the merger, a 300-yard game in his debut. He also passed a rush for touchdowns in the
2: first half. What'd you make of Herbert there with the Chargers? You know, I mean, look, I didn't. You know, the guy didn't know, didn't know he was going to start until right before the kickoff probably got very few reps uh, of uh, during the week because like Romo said on the broadcast, I mean, you're trying to get Tyrod Taylor ready to play and, you know, maybe he'll get one or two reps in, in, in each period. But, you know, just let's say you have, uh, let's say you have a hundred reps during the week of, of offense uh, in terms of team and seven on seven red zone, all that. And, you know, if he would have gotten 30 plays, which I doubt he did, even that many, that would have been a lot. So I, I thought it was remarkable for him to come off the bench and to take it over. And look, they they played their hearts out. I feel badly for the Chargers. I mean, they were doing everything that they could, uh, uh, you know, to to keep themselves in the game. But where I really lost it for to me for Anthony Lynn is is he's got the ball first and go with the four, right? First and go with the four. And, you know, they send Kelly up the middle for one yard. So now it's second and three. They send Kelly up the middle again for another yard. And then on third and four, they run the classic sprint right option and they don't get it. And now that field goal is really meaningless. Now, I know that the Chiefs needed, they tied it later in the game and sent it to overtime. But you're Anthony Lynn there, right? And so you've got to be able to say in the headset, you've seen Buck, you've seen Bucker kick a 58 yarder to end the half, right? So you know this guy's got range. So what you've got to say in the headset to your offensive coordinator is, look, these three points probably aren't going to matter. We have to have three of our best plays that we could ever run down here, that he knows what to do. Because if we don't score a touchdown, there's a good chance this thing goes to overtime where they're going to beat us with a touchdown. Because you know half the the guy can make it from Toledo, right? So you know that. So it's second order thinking. So, all right, first and 10, let's do this. We, of course, they sent a direct run. Second and goal, they, another direct run. Like now we've put the game down to one play. Like we put the game down to one play. And then he gets the ball in overtime. And, and once again, he's playing conventional thinking and he gets beat. Fourth and one, he punts. Like at some point, you're going to have to take, you're going to have to put your big boy pants on and say, you know what? The only way we're going to beat this team is we're going to have to beat them. I mean, you, did you see Keenan Allen sitting on the side? He knew he was going to get beat. I mean, and this guy's hitting 58-yarders like like Tiger Woods hits (laughs) one-irons. Like, it's just drilling them.
1: Yeah, I'm never one to uh, gauge necessarily social media as an answer, but the amount of tweets, Mike, that I saw watching that game in real time of fourth and one, punting, you're going to give the ball to Mahomes and the Chiefs. Like, there there wasn't one person who thought, yeah, that seems like a smart move. Take a listen to what Anthony linson afterwards when he was uh, asked to give a Justin Herbert
2: grade. Give him a grade? You're great on his performance today. I mean, I thought he like was Like I good. said, I thought he handled the situation. Under the circumstances, I thought he handled the situation well, but when we lost the game last time I checked, so, you know, <laughs> those grades not too high right now.
1: <laughs> he should have said, Man. Mike,
2: I give him a good Man. grade. I give myself
1: an F for not going for
2: that fourth and one. You, you know, this is why, you know, the, like, like seriously, like Anthony, you know, you got to evaluate, like, how are we playing this game? Like seriously, we're playing as hard as your team's playing as hard as and they have a really good handle on how to play the Chiefs. They give Andy Reid probably more trouble than anybody, right? They play them really well. They do a good job of of all the things that they need to do to take care of it. But at some point, you're making eight million dollars a year or five million or seven million. At some point, you got to be able to demonstrate that you know what the heck's going on. And these situations that come up in the game. Especially when you get into the fourth quarter, you got to take advantage of it. You got first and go with the four, right? You got to be on the headset. You got to say, okay, this is a game situation. We have got to score. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about you've got to go into this thing at, at the moment. I'm saying on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you got to have meetings and say, okay, look, fellas, we need the best red zone offense we can have. Because we're in, if we're settling for field goals in this game, we will get beat. Like you've got to play the game out in your head so that you can understand how you're going to play the game. So on Tuesday, we need red zone. We need as many good red zone plays as we can come up with. Difference, how we're going to do it. Now, I understand that the kid is new to it, but he's smart enough. Like he can run with the ball. But you're in goddamn, you're in there, you're in two tight ends and you're running lead runs in there. You're basically Kansas City saying, thank you very much, Anthony. Thank you. Can I have another one? Oh, and you give him another one. Oh, thank you very much. Meanwhile, everybody's complaining about the fourth and one. See, this is what's wrong with it. It's like if it's second order thinking. If you don't understand the play, the plays before are always like when somebody throws an interception. You know, usually there was a holding call. The play before, so the guy's trying to force it down the field. There's always a cause and effect. Like, and, and this game to me was not understanding who's on the other side. If you want to play the Chiefs the same way you play Tennessee, you're going to get your ass beat. Every week you better play differently and you better manage the game differently. And he can get, you know, let's grade him. Anthony, we're going to grade you too.
1: Definitely not good. And in terms of grades, God, as you mentioned, living here in North Jersey on local TV, I give uh, local TV an F for football because you either have to watch the Giants and the Bears or the Jets and the 49ers. The Jets are so bad. The Niners beat them 31-13. to Raheem Mostert ran for 80-yard touchdown in San Francisco's first play from scrimmage. Jimmy Garoppolo had two touchdown passes, but both those guys set up the second half of the injuries. More importantly, the injury to Nick Bosa carted off the field along with defensive tackle Solomon Thomas. The fear is it could be a season-ending ACL injury for Bosa. We'll get to the Niners in a second, but take a listen to Adam Gase, Mike. A little testy with the reporter postgame about this Jets offense and for good reason because the Jets offense stinks. This is a year plus of you guys struggling to be able to move the
0: ball on offense. Like We were, we were, we were moving the ball early. We moved the ball. We got to finish in the red zone. So is this like a successful day for you on offense? No. We moved the
2: ball at the beginning of the game. Then we had some injury issues. We were down in two wide receivers. We didn't execute in the red zone. We got to put it in there to get seven. We have to stay with the other team. If, if our defense is struggling, we have to do better on offense. We have to find a way to get in the end zone. We can't When we're kicking field goals, it's not, it's not going to help us if they're scoring touchdowns. Clearly,
1: he knows this offense isn't very good, Mike. Sam Darnold, 21-32, of 32, 170 yards, no
2: turnovers, but come on. As he said, you got to get in the red zone. I mean, he had 113 yards in the first half, you know, and they were five for six on third down. They ran as many plays in the first half as San Francisco ran. You know, uh, they had 18 rushes for 54 yards. Darnold was nine for 11 for 65. Like, seriously, like, I don't understand. When were they moving the ball in the first half? I I don't get it. Like, at some point, like, I I get, you know, all right, so let's go through the drive chart. They get the ball, start to play. They get one first down. They punt. Then they move the ball. They had 13 plays. They gained 38 yards in 13 plays. They got a field goal. Then they came back out. They had another 11-play drive, and they lost it on downs. They try to run an inside zone right into the strength of the 49ers defense. They got their asses stuffed. Once again, like, seriously, like, fourth and one. You think you're just going to run it against them? And then after that's the end of the half. So they had two drives. So, yeah, you did have two drives. But there were two field goal drives at, at the most, right? Like at some point, you got to make explosive plays. I mean, you can't – this is the problem with the National Football League. If you don't make any explosive plays, their longest play of the game was 30 yards to Barrios Ber- at the last play – the, the one of the last plays of the game. I mean, I, I get – look, I get what Gase is saying. He's got a depleted team. I mean, he's got no skill players. Perryman got hurt in the game. But – the reality of it is, is, is you know that they, you know, the Niners were were just as hurt. I mean, they lose Bosa, they lose Thomas. You know, they didn't have Richard Sherman in the game you know, you got to be able to move the football a little bit better, get the ball in the end zone, or make some explosive plays. Look, I think the Jets are one of the worst teams in football. They, You can fire Gase, but this team isn't very good at all. So whoever you bring in, it's going to be a just as much of a problem. And how good Sam Darnold is, that remains to be seen because Darnold, he didn't turn the ball over, but he had 179 yards passing in 32 attempts. You ain't beating anybody doing that.
1: As you mentioned, Thursday's GM shuffle, he's been good, but he's going to get to great. And it's still a long ways away from being a top 10 quarterback. You mentioned, mentioned those injuries for the 49ers. That's going to be a challenge now. not sure about Jimmy G's status, but the Seahawks look great. I mean, they, they outlast the Patriots. What a game that was on Sunday night. And in terms of injuries, Saquon Barkley could be down the torn ACL. Cam Akers had a rib injury sustained in the Rams-Eagles game. Drew Locke, right shoulder injury, Broncos-Steelers
2: game. He could be out for two to six weeks. So there was injuries all over the place. Yeah. I mean, and then you watch Cam last night and, and, and just think if Denver would have signed Cam. I mean, I know they think Drew Locke's going to be a good player, right? Just think if, if – if I mean, Cam's going to end up signing an extension in New England. They can't let Cam go. I mean, where, where are you going to get somebody like that? Like, seriously. Yeah, I know they fell one yard short, but – I mean, they're learning about Cam just like Cam's learning about that. I mean, Cam's a legitimate top 10 quarterback in the National Football League. And he lost a game to a guy who may be the best quarterback in the league. I mean, look, Josh Allen has played two weeks in Buffalo as well as anybody. And what he threw the ball yesterday with more accuracy down the field than I ever seen him against a team that played nothing but cover one. I'll take my hat off to that. I, I grant you that. But the reality of it is, is Russell Wilson is the best player in the league right now. There's no denying it. And the throws he made last night, the throw to DK Metcalf, I mean, that coverage was right there.
1: Yeah. And the Seahawks, I mean, this guy, the Patriots gave him a run for their money. That last charge was impressive. Um, and then Newton tries to rush the ball. Nice play there made there on defense. But you're right, that was a fun game to watch. And Wilson, and the Seahawks aren't going anywhere. Pete Carroll was chomping at that gum pretty hard that last drive there from Cam and Company. After the break, we'll give it our weekly awards, including who are the top three, bottom three teams after Week Two. Don't go anywhere. All right, time now for the weekly awards. In case you're unfamiliar. We'll explain them to you, but this one seems straightforward, doesn't it? On the lamb, that would be the Philadelphia Eagles starting 0-2, as Mike mentioned earlier, 19-18 and since they won a Super Bowl. They got the Bengals coming to town, but talk about a must win. You got to beat the Bengals.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, they, the, I, the Eagles' backs are to the wall. I mean, and you go back and look at, you know, where they are and what they're doing and, how, and, and, and where their talent base is and what kind of offseason they had. I mean, remember now, this Philadelphia team, Going into next year, and they can get rid of a bunch of players, going into next year, they're like 85, 50 million above the cap if the cap stays exactly the same. So not only are they not very good – are, are, are they going to be good? You know, they're going to have to get rid of some of these guys. And some of these young players that they're counting on to be good players just haven't come through for them as of yet. So we'll see how it works out. But right now, I mean, you lose that home game. I mean, this town's this town's about ready to explode. I mean, just come watch Daily News, whatever that they call that show, Eagles postgame. That's all you need to know.
1: The 17 legal pads. I'm not going to get over Uh, the Fred Palermo award. I did get a couple messages from Bill's fans who are like, Hey, tell Lombardi about Josh Allen. Well, you you admitted, listen, Josh Allen played great and you're giving credit to a great game plan. Brian Dable, Sean McDermott and company.
2: Yeah. I think, look, I I, look, I'm not blind. I'm not, I'm, I'm saying I like the bills team the whole year. I was, I'm worried about Josh Allen's accuracy. And we've played two games, and he's played against, two, you know, look, the AFC East doesn't look very talented to me. It's going to be between Buffalo and New England. I think that's pretty clear. And he played as well as I've seen him. I think yesterday was his best game in his NFL career. He threw the ball down the field. The first game, he didn't throw it down the field. This game, he threw it down the field with accuracy. He made plays. He didn't really rely on his feet as much in this game. He really relied on his arm, and he made explosive plays. And the Miami secondary just got tired as the game wore on, and he made the great throws in the fourth quarter. So look, I I my hats off to him. I mean, the Dolphins had every opportunity to win that game and they couldn't quite do it. So look, I think it's a great it's a great thing. Can he keep it going? We'll see. I think that's gonna be the key to Buffalo. Can he keep it going? And I and I think right now, based on two games, he looks impressive.
1: Like you said, you give credit where credit is due. A guy has increased maturation. Certainly you get credit for that. Josh Allen, the Bills look good. We continue with the awards. Why do we win and why do we lose? why did the
2: Cowboys win and why did the Falcons lose? Well, I think why the Cowboys won is they were able to execute in the red zone. I mean, that's ultimately what they were for, five in the red zone. I think at all games, when you go down there, and even though you're watching the game on television and a team has to settle for a field goal, at some point that settling for a field goal cost you. Like, let's take New England, for example. You know, they give up 35 points to to the Seattle Seahawks last night, right? But why did they lose? They lost because they gave up three big plays. Right. The DK Metcalf, Gilmore doesn't tackle them. If they had first and goal with the eight, they don't get them down there. Right. So they lose that game. So they that that's a touchdown. The more catch, touchdown on a big play. And then the wheel route to the back, touchdown on a big play. Whenever you don't get the team in the red zone, and they let them score and throw it over your head you lose. If you if they get in the red zone and you don't score, you lose. And that's why, really, that's why the Cowboys won. They just were better at the red zone than Atlanta. Now, look, they got lucky and it took a thousand things to go right for them. But, you know, Atlanta's going to sit there and leave home and say, well, the reason we lost is because we gave up you know they got that onside kick. No, the reason you lost is because you know you couldn't convert in the red zone when you needed to convert. You're kicking too many field goals, and you could have really made that instead of making that game a 26 to 10 blowout like it was early. You could have made it a 40 to 40 to 10 blowout if had you scored some touchdowns. So you got to be really honest about why you win and why you lose. I mean, say, when you look at Seattle and and New England, New England only forced seven third downs. Only seven third downs. You're not going to win games when you only force seven third downs. This is what Kansas City does to most teams. Kansas City stays out of third down because they make so many big plays. See, one thing you should always look at on the stat sheet is how many third downs the team has. What does that tell us? That tells us how many big plays you're making because when you gain yards and without third downs like Seattle did last night you're making chunk plays that's how you win games in the NFL that's what Atlanta just obviously didn't cover it in the red zone
1: those are the issues there for the Cowboys and the Falcons I like this one if you don't know now you know the main takeaway from this week of
2: football Mike no penalties how about that one that no one ever talks about there's still t- there's still 18 teams in the National Football League that haven't got called for holding yet wow think about that there's still 18 teams that haven't got called for holding and then the other thing I think you got to know is at some point we have to stop. At some point, can we just get some conversation about how these missed field goals are killing us? I mean, Matt Nagy, what Matt Nagy did, and we didn't even talk about the Bears Giants, but Matt Nagy was putting on a clinic on what not to do out there, right? So Matt Nagy's got a fourth and five at the, at the giant 3080 punts. Later in the game, he's got a, he's, he tries a 55 yard field goal. Like seriously, like seriously, this is what we're going to do, you know? I mean, we're going to, and, and just for the record, you know, he's 0 for 1 on these field goals. So, you know, I like, and now you give the Giants a chance to come back down the field. You know, speaking of the Giants, I mean, they're 12 and 38 since the boat trip. Is there a worse team? Seriously, they're bad. They lost, Sa- they lost Saquon Barkley for the season. Daniel Jones can't protect the football. When the game speeds up on, here's another example. Daniel Jones was 5 for 15 on third down. What does that tell us? That tells us when the game speeds up, he can't play fast. No, I'm sorry. He was three for 13 on third down. He was three for 13 on third down. When the game speeds up, he doesn't speed up his game. And now he's a young player. Maybe this will change. Maybe it'll come back to him. But you know, but these long field goals—they got us in the NFL. These—I don't understand it. All these—all we always talk about all this analytical bullshit, right? And no one's talking. And, and people trot these field goals out. The, the National Football League is 9-for-21 on 50-yard kicks, right? There's only one team that has made both 50-yard kicks. That's obviously the Chiefs. And he probably would have made 10 of them the way he was sitting yesterday, right? So think about it. I mean, Detroit, Matt's tried two 50-yard kicks. He's got Prather. He's supposed to be a great kicker. He's 0-for-2 on 50. See, I think you're better off having a kicker who can't kick 50 yards. I think you're better off having a kicker with a, with a weak leg. I think because if you got a kicker who you know can make it from inside of 45, you just let him kick it, right? Okay, we're going to get three points. But if you have one you know can't kick it outside, you just say, screw it, we're going for it on fourth down. And you'd be better off. I think you'd be better off. It's an interesting wrinkle. It does make your
1: decision making easier. You're right. Because you say, you know what? We've got a guy who's accurate. You see that with older kickers, right? You say, well, he doesn't have the leg he once did, but God, is he accurate? Like, we can trot out Morton Anderson right now. He's going to hit a 42 yarder, but a 50 yarder is not going to happen. That's interesting. You'd rather not have the guy with the
2: big leg because it, it fools you into thinking, hey, we can do this. He can hit a 60 yarder. I've seen him do it in practice before. Yeah. I mean, we had Sebastian Janikowski in Oakland, and, and I thought it was a curse because it gave you the illusion he make it from anywhere and it affects your play calling whereas it whereas I've watched Parcells coach Matt Barr and he knew Matt Barr couldn't make anything outside of 43 yards but he but he set up his offense that anytime he was in that gray area, he was going for it on fourth down. To me, I think that you're better off. I'd rather have a kicker that, you know, now you got to have somebody at the end of the game that can make a long one. I get that. I, I get you get into problems. And if you could have have the Kansas City kicker that can do what he can do, that's great. But we all, you know, sometimes you just can't find that. But these, when you're nine for 21 on outside, that's basically, that's 12 turnovers. I mean, the, the Lions don't protect the ball good enough to begin with. And they've got two, and they added two more turnovers to the, and they don't take the ball away. So every time he's trying a 50 yard field goal, he's, he's giving, and, and he's, and he's preaching turnover takeaway. He's preaching it, but yet he's trying 50-yard field goals.
1: That moves us to top three, bottom three. Bottom three, listen, the Bengals are awful. I mean, listen, Joe Burry, you get it's a young team, but they're not a good team. Giants and Jets the state of New York football right now. I mean, that's given Tuna, Big Bill Parcells and Gina, the ghost of Joe Namath just rolling in his grave looking at how bad these teams are. My top three, Seattle, you mentioned Russell Wilson. Tremendous win, a nice win against the Patriots. The Chiefs rely on Butker's 58-yard to win their 2-0. And the Packers, I like a lot, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones at 2-0 that's my top three bottom three
2: how about you you know I I think the Lions are bottom three I think the two New York teams you're right the bottom three the Bengals look the Bengals at least the Bengals have they're rebuilding with some hope I don't know where Detroit's going the Giants you know like I said uh, I mean the Giants are bad on defense you know they, they when you make MVP Mitch look like and he MVP Mitch trying to give you the game in the second half he throws two interceptions he's trying to give you the game And you got the ball driving down there. There they are. They're driving down. I mean, at some point, the Giants have to be honest about Daniel Jones. And and obviously, he needs more time. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's something about that he doesn't play If the perfection's perfect, everything, I just don't know if he can play fast enough. I think Seattle's dangerous. I think what we're seeing out of Seattle, I think San Francisco is going to struggle with all these injuries. There's no denying it. What we're going to find out now about San Francisco is their inability if they can't rush the passer. Their inability to handle uh, the, in the secondary, we're gonna they're, their their secondary is now going to get exposed because without Bosa, you know, not that Solomon Thomas was a great player, but now you got you don't have Bosa, you don't have Buckner, you don't have any of these inside, you don't have the defensive line. That secondary is about to get exposed. Their defensive rankings, if you own them in fantasy, they're going about to go down in a hurry. You know, Green Bay looks really complete. They're the best. The North stinks, right? Minnesota's horrible. I mean, Minnesota's bad right? Minnesota was just horrendous yesterday. Uh, they can't get off the field. Uh, they, they got off the field on third down and they still couldn't stop the Colts. And we know Detroit's bad. We know Chicago's 2-0. They're a myth 2-0 team. I mean, they got two wins, but I mean, seriously, they beat Detroit and they beat the Giants. So, you know, that division's bad. I mean, the NFC isn't very good, right? I mean, think about it. The, the, the East is bad. The North is bad. The South You know, okay, Atlanta stubs their toe. Carolina's trying to rebuild their program. We know New Orleans is good, you know. So, you know, we we know they've got some things going for them. And Tampa, we'll see if they can continue on. I mean, we didn't even talk about Brady in this pod. I thought he looked better, but I didn't think he looked great. Gronk looks Gronk doesn't look anywhere like Gronk of old. I mean, Gronk looks like he's missed football for a year. Oh, he has. And then the West, I think Seattle's going to be, I think Seattle looks like they could be the best team in the in, in the NFC.
1: Yeah, and you give the Rams credit. They're 2-0, like I said, or San Francisco, those injuries. I mean, that's a tough division. Obviously, the Cardinals, they're, they're no uh, doormats themselves. They may end up being the fourth team in that division, but
2: you're right. Yeah. For now, it looks like Seattle's that team. One quick thing on the mayor of Munchkinland. I mean, he has really been sensational. Like, give them credit. Like, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, you can make fun of the Cliff Kingsbury hiring from taking the guy who was the offense coordinator at USC. But had they not hired Cliff, had they not hired Cliff, Cliff, would, Cliff was able to talk them into taking Kyler Murray. They would have gone down the Josh Rosen tree. They would have gone down there and it really would have put their organization in a disaster. The Kingsbury hiring saved them. It saved them because it got him Murray, and 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 he's right on Murray because even though Murray's little, you can't get you can't get him on the ground. He's tough to deal with.
1: Yeah, we used to always say at ESPN with college, well, we'd watch Cliff Kingsbury, and it looks like Ryan Gosling. He's so handsome, got the little life. I'm like, listen, defensively, Texas Tech was always a disaster, but offensive minded guy. Absolutely smart. His offenses are always fun to watch in the Big 12. And now, as a head coach, you say, "Okay, listen, you give him a good D coordinator; he'll figure things out." But the most important thing is the quarterback. And you're right—the fact he got Kyler Murray with his offense and his system, at the very least, they're competitive and they're a fun team to watch, which they wouldn't have been, I think, without him. Uh, Monday Night Football preview: Saints and Raiders. Both teams want to know who you got tonight.
2: I think I'm. To, I think the Saints win. I'm going to take the Raiders in the points. I, I think that. By the way, I was two and one on my picks this week. One with. Uh, one with the 49ers and one with the uh, one with the uh, Colts, and loss with the Eagles. I was also considering the Denver one, and I would have won with that had I take it, but I didn't officially take that. So I'm four and two on the season. Please come back on 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 Thursday to listen to the picks. Don't pay for picks. Don't pay for picks. Vegas Dave is stealing your money. Do not pay for picks. Just listen to the pod. Listen to it. We're going to give you winners every week. So don't pay for picks. I like the Raiders tonight. I think they'll keep it close.
1: All right, like I said, two and ones. You're making people money. And a closing thought here with the Emmy Awards, which were last night done virtually virtual. There's a couple people there, but Jimmy Kimmel did a good job hosting it. Schitt's Creek was a juggernaut. Huge win for Canada as they basically swept all the comedy categories. Not basically, they did do so in their final season. But I want to mention to you Succession, Mike. Huge win. In their second season, they win Best Drama. Jeremy Strong playing Kendall Roy wins Best Actor. Uh, they also went for Best Writing and Best Directing. Big night for Succession. People who are not watching it, you and I have raved about it. Now you've got reason to watch it. The Emmys were all over it.
2: Yeah, it's a great show. It's a little slow. It reminded me, like I almost gave up on Boardwalk Empire because it was slow. And the characters are not really likable. They really are not likable. So once you can get past the not liking the characters, you know, the Sopranos, I know I'm not allowed to talk about it because it's an old show, but the Sopranos, you know, the characters are likable even though they're assholes. This shows they're assholes and they're not likable. So... You know... Question I wanted to ask you. Have you reviewed uh, Fargo with Chris Rock yet? Have you seen any of this? I
1: can't wait to see it. It's debuting this Sunday on FX. Then it's going to be an FX and Hulu the next day. But I didn't get an advanced copy. I'll be watching it this Sunday in real time every week. I cannot wait to see it. I think Fargo is a tremendous show. The first season, Billy Bob Thornton was amazing. Kirsten Dunst was good in subsequent seasons. For those who haven't seen it, of course, you know the movie, which is an all-time classic from the Coen Brothers. But they pick a different era and then go into it. So this year, it's going to be 1950s gang gangsters, and Chris Rock
2: playing against type. He's playing a gangster, him and Jason Schwartzman. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait either. I'm looking forward to that. And at least it won't be as cold where it is now, because every time they do these movies, I feel like I'm freezing my ass off watching it. <laughs> they do get that cold, Dale Pat. Uh, thanks,
1: as always, for checking the GM Shuffle. We'll talk to you all on Thursday.